Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you today. Would you look, would you do me a favor? Would you look at your neighbor and just say, it is good to see you this morning? I want you to think for a second, if that's how you were addressed, would you feel, really feel like that person was glad to see you? So now I want you to do it again and put a little more meaning to it. But your spouse, this is a good, I'm just setting you up. I'm helping you out, right? Even if you had a fight, he said, I have to do it. So on the count of three, we're going to do this again. One, two, three. Yes, yes. Hey, man, that's what I'm talking about. Nothing works like the local church works and the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. It is good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, don't we turn me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. We're in this series, Dream Again. And again, I hope you will be here for this series as we walk through these this week and the next two weeks. And just the power of of having a dream, the power of living out that dream. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to recap a little bit, but you can actually go online uh, at lifechurchwi.com and the message, the sermon will be there on demand. And you can just, you can, this is kind of part two of last week's message. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of catch you up. But I just think it's important because, you know, I, I think it's really important that you, you think about where you're going. Uh, that you, you process where you are. Like, I'm a big evaluator. I'm, I'm a big, I'm, you know, Peter Drucker, the, the father of modern management, said that every executive should ask two questions of their organization, the business that they lead. What's business and how's business? And, um, and I think sometimes we're like an airport and there's no planes that are coming and going. Are we really an airport? If there's no planes that are taking off and no planes that are arriving, are we really an airport? And that's probably a bad analogy with this week, right? Because... For a while, there were no planes coming or going. Uh, but, uh, but, 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 but the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we, can, we, we think that we're that or we're designed to be that, but yet we're not really fulfilling that. And so sometimes in sermon series like this, it's a good time for you just to kind of ask that question of yourself. It may be even a great conversation to talk to your kids about, hey, what's the dream in your heart? What, what's God put in your heart? And to get, them to get them to begin to think about what is it that God wants them to do and, and to hear the voice of God for themselves. It's a great thing to talk to your spouse about where are we at on the journey of where we really want to go? What are our goals? What, what is it that we want to do? Where, where, you know, what, everybody ends up somewhere, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And the people that end up somewhere on purpose, they choose to do life by design and not by default. And how do you get there? It's dreams. Having a dream, having something that's bigger than you. And so uh, I gave you a working definition for this series. A dream is the passion and the purpose that God has placed in your heart. It's the passion and the purpose that God's placed in your heart. And if you go, I don't know what that is, then ask him. Ask the Lord, because he's the one that gives the dream. He's the one that puts that in your heart. He's the one. Uh, the book of Jeremiah says that God's given you a future and a hope. What is that future? What is that hope? I don't know. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I'm just a guy to go, this is a great new restaurant you should check out. But the truth of the matter is, is that God knows. And God wants to speak to you. If you'll just simply ask that bold question, what is it? I don't care if you're 13, 35, or 105. God has a plan and a purpose for your heart, for your life. And he puts that plan and that purpose deep in your heart. So last week we, we began with God-given dreams 
And today we're going to continue on that about how do you redeem that dream. But God-given dreams, first of all, they direct your destiny. This is just from last week. They, they direct your destiny. And we, we're looking at the life of Joseph, which I think is, is classic in how God, God gives us a dream and how it's not always instantaneous. Most of the time it's not. It's a process. And then the second statement from last weekend was God-given dreams require patience. It's a process. It's a process. So today I want to pick up. And the end would be our third statement, but the first kind of point today is that God-given dreams expect setbacks. If you're taking notes, just write that down. God-given dreams expect setbacks. There are three major setbacks that Joseph has once he has a dream. Uh, Genesis 37, verse 18, if you have it, you can open right there. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen for you. Verse 18, Genesis 37, they, Joseph's brothers, saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Verse 20, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. This isn't his adversaries, these are his brothers. <laughs> You're talking about messed up family. Okay, anyhow, then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what becomes of his dreams. So they're not just going to try to kill him, they're going to try to kill his dreams. Going down to verse 31 of Genesis 37. And they took Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in, in blood and they sent the, the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this is what we have found. Please identify whether this is your son's robe or not. How like sadistic is that? Verse 33, and he identified it and said, it's my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt, without a doubt, uh, torn to pieces. So Joseph has a dream, he shares it with his family, and they plot to kill him. And then they try to cover their tracks because they put him in a pit and they go back to get him to sell him into slavery and, he, and, and, and he's, he's gone. And they've sold him into slavery. And so what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do this? And so they concoct this whole plan to go basically lie to their dad and, and basically say, hey, your son's dead. Like, who does that? Well, again, this is one of the families in the blood lineage of Jesus. Right here you go. You think your family's jacked up? Just read the Old Testament. If you ever feel bad about your family, just read the Bible. I'm, I'm just telling you, it will make you go, wow, we're not that messed up. I mean, I don't know any TV drama family that's on television that's as messed up as these people. It, really, sure, and I'm not making it Read it. It's all there. It's like, who does this? They did. So Joseph has this dream. He tells it to his family. And basically, in the end of it, they, they try to leave him for dead, wind up selling him into slavery, and the statement, torn to pieces, thought he must be dead. Maybe that's where your dreams are today. I mean, I got this dream, I have this passion, I have this vision, I have this want to, I have this, and this is what's deep inside of me. But, but there have been things in life, people in life, maybe people that you're close to that are around you, people that you thought you could trust, people that you, that, that you went to with your dream, and, and, and maybe naivete kicked in, and, and so naively you communicated to them, maybe you over-communicated, but at the end of the day, you're just trying to share what's in your heart, and they have taken it and completely assassinated your character, completely assassinated your career. They've made you a laugh, laughing stock in whatever area of industry that you're in or whatever. They have tried to do everything they can to foil it, and and it just feels like your dreams are in tatters. They're torn. The good news is, as we're going to see in this, is that God can redeem the dream. Why? Because he's the one that gives it. 
See, that's why it's important that you go back to, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I'm just telling you, in my 51 years on the planet, one thing I have come to realize, I am not that smart. At 21, I was brilliant. (laughs) At 51, I have more questions than I have answers. And what I've realized is that God's ways are higher than my ways. And that there's ways that seem right to me, but the end thereof those ways are death. So I have to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding. Acknowledge him in every area of my life and let him guide and direct my path. Because how I would do this would be radically different. How I would direct my path would be radically different. But God in his infinite wisdom knows what I need. He knows where I need to be. He knows what I need to be around. He knows the obstacles I need to face. He knows the adversaries I need to face. He knows the headwinds I need to face. So he sends them to me. He allows me and he walks with me through the storm because he's the giver of the dream. And when he's the giver of the dream, I go, God, this is your problem, not mine. Can I tell you how many times I've sat on the Germantown parking lot facing a difficult situation, a difficult uh, adversarial situation, knowing that the dream that's in my heart is, is, is to build a great church for the Lord and to see God do great things and see lives change and, and people's lives just, just, just see the love and the grace and the joy uh, and the salvation of Jesus come into their heart and their life. And, and I'm, I'm battling this, I'm battling that. We, we don't have enough of this. We don't have enough of that. We're, we're, we're trying to build this. We're trying to build that. We, this has happened. That's happened. Whatever the situation may be. And I just go, God, I will grip the steering wheel. I can't tell you how, if you ever see me just sitting in the parking lot, that's what I'm doing. I never asked for this. Number one. This was not my plan. I wanted to be a business guy living in Northwest Arkansas with season tickets to the Razorback games. And I wanted maybe be an attorney, uh, but I, I wanted to do that. And then I wanted to give a lot of money to the kingdom. I wanted to support the pastor. I wanted to be a good board member. And I just wanted to love my wife and raise my kids and call the hogs. That was my plan. But that's not what your plan was. And I'm okay with that. But this is your plan. And I will do what you ask me to do, but it's your plan. This is your dream for my life. This is it. So this problem, I give it to you. This frustration, I give to you. This situation, I give to you. And when my tires of my vehicle leave this parking lot, I am leaving these here because this is your issue. Why? Because there are times where you just feel like quitting and giving up. There are times where you're like, is this really, am I really hurt? Is this? Yes, yes, yes. And can I just say this too? The higher the capacity of leader, the more frustrated you're probably going to be with not getting to your dream fast enough, it not being fulfilling enough and not being big enough and frustrated that people don't wanna come along you and don't quite get it. So if you're frustrated, you're probably, it's probably it's the leadership piece of you that's kicked in. That's the good news. The bad news is it's never going to change. So, That's the first setback. I hope this is helping you because it's really therapeutic for me. Wow. (laughs) Second setback we see is that Joseph is thrown. He goes from being being left for dead to thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and he begins to work for Potiphar, who is a high-ranking official in Egypt. It looks like he's really moving forward. Life is promoting and it's happening. It's not the way he thought, but I'm sure at this point he thought, well, you know, my brothers haven't bowed down to me. They don't even know if I'm living, but at least I'm no longer in the pit and I'm in slavery, but, but, but I'm, I'm promoted to head of the house. And so I'm, I'm, I have some freedoms and, and some flexibilities. And then comes a problem. Look at Genesis 39, verse 7. 39, verse 7. And after a time, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. 
Again, I think you understand what's going on there, all right? And he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has in my charge. He is, he is not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back from me except for you because you're his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So he does the right thing. You know what happens? He goes to prison. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has a reason to complain? It's this guy. I have a dream that God gave me. I share it with my family and they leave me for dead. They wind up selling me into slavery. I'm in a pit. I'm in a slave. I'm going. I'm working. I, I work my way up. God gives me favor. He's with me. And then all of a sudden, I'm not doing anything wrong. And the guy that I'm working for, the boss's wife, comes to me and she wants to have an affair. And I say, no, thank you. And because I say, no, thank you, she cries rape. And now I am thrown into prison where I'll spend the next 10 years of my life. And did zero wrong. Sometimes doing the right thing, following the plan, the will of God, and the dream. Remember the dream. <laughs> it doesn't always, the pathway is not always easy. And it doesn't always go the way you think it should. This is a great time. This is always one of these, one of these parts of, of the narrative that I always think is great to, to as, as your kids are growing up and, and as they're, they're older and, you're, and they understand about uh, sexual relationships and morality and doing the right thing. About Sometimes doing the right thing costs you, at least on the front end. Not the long end, not, 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 not in the end, but, but on, the, on the front end of things, on the short end of things. So now he's in the third setback. All because of a dream. Look at verse 20 of Genesis chapter 39. And Joseph's master took him and he put him into the prison where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. So 10 years, he'll stay in prison. 10 years. For what? For doing the right thing. Never touched the woman. Never did anything. But the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 21. If you write, highlight, underline in your Bible... That is a great phrase. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Can I just tell you that phrase, but God? I could preach for days on whatever's happening, but God. All hell is breaking loose, but God. Everything's falling apart, but God. This isn't going right, but God. Going down this way, but God, this is all coming against you, but God. This is one of those but God moments. He's being thrown into prison unjustly and all because he has this dream, all because he dared to be vocal about the dream. This is how he gets here. But the Lord was with Joseph. And he goes on to say, and showed him what? Steadfast love. So his, God's love never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. It doesn't matter whether you're in the palace, you're in the pit, you're, you're in prison. God's love changes not. God's love for you cannot go up. It cannot increase. It cannot decrease. You cannot do anything more for him to love you. You can't do anything less for him to love you. And, and also his favor was upon Joseph. 
Favor, I'm telling you, <laughs> if you're playing golf, there's a phrase sometimes, it's, I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, I'd much rather have the favor of God on my life than anything else. I'd much rather have God's favor on my life than any other degree. I'd much rather have any, God's favor on my life than any other earthly connection. I'd much rather have God's favor on my life than any amount of wisdom or any amount of knowledge or any amount of understanding or any amount of money. I'd much rather have the hand of God on my life because when the hand of God is on your life, it's like the turtle on the fence post he reaches down where you are and he picks you up and he puts you on a place that you could not get to on your own. He puts you on a place that no one else can take you from. He puts you on a place that only he can put you there. And sometimes we forget this in our workaday world that this is the same God that we serve, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Joseph, the one who calls us, the one who speaks to us, the one who puts a dream in our heart and says, I have put this in here. It's not gonna be easy, Aaron. It's not gonna be smooth sailing always. There's gonna be headwinds that are coming to come against you. There's going to be adversaries that are going to try to take you out, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And, and when the world comes against you and the enemy of your soul comes against you, all you've got to do is lean into me, submit yourself to me, and I will raise up a standard against him. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper because the dream that's in your heart, you didn't come up with, I gave it to you. And it's easy sometimes to think, well, yeah, it's easy to think, you know, well, man, that's just, that's great. You're, you're a preacher. No, but what did God call you to do? God didn't call us all to preach. He called you to your, your area of business. He called you to start a business. He called you to be a stay-at-home parent and, and raise up godly children. He called, he called you into that marital union. He called you to, to go run this company. He called you to, to go to this college. He called you. And what he has called you to do, he will perform. His steadfast love will never change in your life. It doesn't matter whether you're in the pit, the palace, or in the prison. It will always be there in his hand. His favor will be upon you. Wow. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Because Satan, <laughs> Satan has a plot for your life. But remember, God has a plan. God has a plan. I, I love the Old Testament where at one point in time, uh, uh, there is... Um, Jonathan, the son of Saul, is there going to scout out uh, the Philistines that are, that are invading. They had this on again, off again fight with the Philistines and they're in one of these trees and he's with his armor bearer, which means there was one sword between the two of them. And there's about a half dozen or dozen Philistine warriors that are just sitting around and they're coming up and they're saying, we see these guys, let's just take them out. And the armor bearer has no choice because it's his job to be with Jonathan. If he doesn't do what Jonathan says, because he's his armor bearer, he bears his arms, he, he's dead. And so then Jonathan makes this statement, perhaps God will show up on our behalf today. Famous last words of any redneck. Hey, watch this. <laughs> or here, hold my beer. I mean, that's what happens, right? And the truth of the matter is, is that in that moment, Jonathan is saying, look, I don't know what's gonna happen. All I know is that God is all powerful. All I know is that we're his people. And all I know is that these are his enemies and there's one sword between the two of them. Do you wanna start a fight? I think we might win this. Perhaps God will show up and have his favor in our life and they destroy them. What a dinner, a meal, excuse me, a story to tell at dinner. What a conversation. You remember that day we were up in that tree, we were scouting out those Philistines, those guys thought they were in, and they go from being five foot 10 to about six, seven foot three, right? And they were huge and they were whatever. And we took them out between one sword. I mean, but God's in it. And sometimes we forget that. The enemy may have a plot against you to take you out, but when God's hand is upon your life, no man on this earth or no woman on this earth can thwart the hand and the plan of God, nor can any power or principality or ruler of darkness 
because God is supreme. He is alpha and omega, beginning and the end. The Bible says the first and the last that which is and is to come and forevermore shall be. He is so amazing that the angels will cry holy, holy, holy for all of eternity because God is a God of more. God is a God of never enough. God is a God that is supreme above all. There is none to his left. There is none to his right. There is none above him. There is none before him. There's only those that are below him. And so when God says he's going to do something and he chooses to put his super onto your natural, he chooses to put his favor and his hand when one of those but God moments happens in your life, it doesn't matter the setbacks. There will come, but God has given you a dream. Second, is God-given dreams always bless others? God-given dreams always bless others. Turn over to chapter 40, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. And one night they dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker and the, and the king of Egypt, of the king of Egypt, and they were confined in prison, each with his own dream, and each dream had its own interpretation. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled, and he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were those in custody in his master's house? Why are your faces so downcast today? And they said to him, We've had, we have dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So while Joseph is in prison, wrongfully in prison, following the dream of God for his life, he interprets the dream of the cupbearer and the baker before he ever interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. He has an ability that got him into trouble. Not only does he have the ability to dream, he has the ability to interpret dreams. He knows what they mean. That's what got him in trouble with his brothers. Hey, I had this dream. Let me tell you what this dream means. You will serve me one day. That's a fight in anybody's household with any younger brother telling the older brothers, right? I could just imagine the Coggins boys, if Sam were to go to Eli and even throw May in the mix and, and Ben and just say, I've had this dream and you will serve me. I don't know that would go over real well. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just, and so, but he has this ability to interpret dreams. So why he's in the prison, he doesn't sit and soak and sour. He sees people with the need and he uses the ability that God's given him to bless those that are around him. Question, is there room in your dream to bless other people? Is there room enough in your dream to bless other people? You and I are called to be, to, we're blessed to be a blessing. I, I love Pastor Tommy Barnett says it this way, that when you help enough people get their dream, God will help you get your dream. When you, when, you, when you focus your life on helping other people get their dream, then God will help you get your dream. What's the dream that God's put in your heart? Are you so focused on your dream that you're not helping other people? I know people like that. Their narcissistic, narrow-minded mindset, they may be successful, but it's very short-sighted because, because what God's placed them there is not just for their benefit, but for the benefit of others. But I've also been around people who are, who are highly successful, who, who are not narcissistic, who, who are not narrow-minded, and they're looking to how can I help you, and how can I help you, and how can I help you? And if anyone, if anyone lacks the wisdom that they have, all they gotta do is ask, and that person will just open their life up. That's what Joseph was. He's not going, man, if you knew my sorrows, man, you got problems, I got problems. Interpret your dreams, that's what got me here in the mess in the first place. No, 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 no. He does that. And the third thing is this today, is that God-given dreams make beauty out of ashes. God-given dreams can make beauty out of ashes. Look at chapter 41, 
Verse 38. Then Pharaoh has this dream and he says to his servants, basically, can I find, before I read this, I got ahead of myself. He has a dream and they can't find anybody to interpret the dream. And they remember Joseph in prison. They bring Joseph before Pharaoh. They clean him up and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And this is Pharaoh's response. Can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh's not a Jehovah follower. He's not a God follower. He's not a, he's not a Christian as we would call it. Verse 39, then, Joseph said to, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all of my people shall order, uh, 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 shall order themselves as you command. And only, regard, and only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Go, go down to, to verse number uh, six, chapter 42, verse six. Chapter 42, verse six. And now Joseph was governor over the land and he was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed, bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Chapter 41, the doors open. Chapter 42, the fulfillment 23 years later. It's interesting to me that Joseph goes through all of this pain, all of this ash, all of this sorrow, all of this, only to put him to the pinnacle where God wanted him to be. See, without that, he doesn't get to that place. Without that, he doesn't get to that position. Without that, he doesn't get where God wants him to be. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're facing setbacks is because God's trying to position you for the right time at the right place to be where he wants you to be. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're facing headwinds is not because you're doing anything wrong. It's not, it's not because you've misunderstood the dream. It's because of the fact that God's trying to, to mold you and to shape you in the person that he wants you to be. Maybe, just maybe, what you're facing is not anything that you're doing wrong. Quite frankly, you're doing the right stuff. It's just all part of the process to God bringing you right to the throne room where he wants you to be. The way to the master's chambers is through the servant's quarters. Joseph, what's happening in his life is he goes from this, this brash, arrogant, naive 17-year-old to this very well put together, very focusedly spoken, very humble, no bitterness, no guile, no junk, no anything in him, 40-year-old leader. How does he do that? By being mocked for his dream, by being, by being left for dead, by being sold into slavery, by having a bit, of, a bit of success and then being knocked down because he did the right thing, not because he did the wrong thing, only to be put in prison for 10 years of his life and forgotten there until God has the right time and the right door and the right opportunity. And then boom, he walks right into his destiny. Now, if you believe the Bible is just a fairy tale, then great, this is just a great story. But if you believe the Bible is God's word, if you believe the Bible is true, if you believe the Bible is, is yes and amen, and if you believe that the God of the Bible is who he says he is, that he changes not, that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever, that this is an insight on how God works in our lives. And if God works that way in a textbook classic example, why wouldn't he do it in your life? Why wouldn't he allow you to face headwinds? Why wouldn't he allow you to face setbacks? Why wouldn't he allow you to face in order to get you to the kind of person, the kind of place where he wants you to be? 
Because here's the reality is, is when Joseph finds himself finally in a place of leadership, he's not lording over anyone. He's not narcissistic. He's not all about himself. He has been humbled. And there's, there's, there's no bitterness. There's no resentment. How do you know that? Because he never goes back. He could have completely demolished Potiphar. Can you imagine being Potiphar and now you have to report to the guy that you put in prison? He doesn't. He doesn't even try to write the wrong or write the record. Oh, I'm sure there were some political correspondents and some news correspondents who were, hey, wasn't there? There was allegations that this is why you went and da, 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 da. <laughs> It's people. Oh, I heard, I heard he was thrown in prison for rape. And I don't know what's going on, but he must have some insight. He, there's all, let, the, let, man, let the haters hate in the words of the great theologian Taylor Swift, right? Just let them do what they're going to do. But God has put him there and he shuts the mouth of the devourer. And when he gets to his brothers, he is so different, they don't even recognize him. They're having conversations with him and don't even recognize him. He's so fluent in, in the Egyptian language that he's going through a Hebrew interpreter because he doesn't want to let them know what's going on. They don't even recognize his diction. They don't recognize his tone. They don't recognize his stature. He doesn't change that much physically from, from, from 17 to 43. It's because of what's happened on the inside. The dream. The dream has changed him. The dream has worked in him. And instead of lording over his position or powering over his brother, he walks with grace. Genesis 50, verse 18 through 20. His brothers also came to him when they realized who he was. And they fell down before him and they said, behold, we are your servants. And he doesn't say, I told you so. Right? He could have. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am, uh, for, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. He sees it for what it is, but God meant it for good. There's no resentment. There's no guile. There's no bitterness. Why? Because resentment is a dream killer. You cannot achieve the dream that God has in your life if you're going to live with resentment. You cannot achieve the dream that God has for your life if you have bitterness. You cannot achieve the dream that God has in your life if you're going to play the victim. Woo, rewind that tape, girl. You cannot play the victim. Stuff's gonna happen. People are gonna say things. People are gonna be mean. People are gonna come against you. And if you can't handle it, then just sit in the stands. But if you wanna suit up and you wanna get on the field and you wanna pay, play ball, it's a full contact sport. Welcome to the jungle, baby. And what's gonna happen is all hell's gonna break loose, but God's hands on your life and God's gonna be with you. And if you'll keep your heart right and you'll keep your mind right and you'll keep your eyes focused on what he's called you to, when, when the dream actually is fulfilled, when you actually get to the place of the success of what God's put in your heart long ago, you'll be ready for it. But if not, it will eat you alive. But the beauty that always comes out of the ashes, I love what Isaiah 61.3 says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. He will give joyous blessing instead of mourning and festive praise instead of despair. If you're facing mourning today, if you're facing hardships today, if you're facing uh, uh, where you just feel like you, you can't get there and you can't do that, God's word says that if you'll trust in him, if you'll look to him, he will give you beauty for all of the burnt ash. He will give you joy and blessing for every bit of mourning that you've had. He will give you praise instead of despair because God not only redeems the dream, but he exchanges the beauty for ashes. So what would you dare to dream in 2023 if you were utterly convinced that God was with you? 
I asked you that question last week. And I said, if you don't know, then ask God, what is that dream? And I believe God spoke to people this week. And today, I just wanna pray that God will just breathe fresh life into the dream that he's given you. Because without a dream, without a vision, Proverbs says we perish. Because that's our motivation. That's what we get up for. That's what we shoot up for every day. That's, we put on the full armor of God every day. Why? Because we're going to do what God's called us to do. We're, we're raising godly kids. We're, we're raising a godly home. We're, we're not perfect. We're, 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 we're going into battle. We're, we're, we're suiting up. We're fighting every, every force in hell that would come against us as we build the business that God's called us to, as we develop the career that God's called us to, as we lead our families, as we lead our lives, as we grow the organizations in which we serve, whatever it is that God's called you to do that God will be with you and that your dreams will not be dead. It's really interesting when I have to preach a sermon like this, this has been one of those weeks that I've wanted to quit more this week, not because of you, it's just, this is just internal. I've wanted, and don't think anybody go, oh, he's leaving. No, I'm not going anywhere. You don't know me at all. Get a bag of Funyuns and a Diet Coke and watch it happen, baby. I'm just, but I'm just saying, it's been one of those weeks where I'm preaching this and I'm having to live this out. And it's just like, what? Huh? You know, like, and I'm calling other buddies, other pastor buddies, and they're dealing with the same thing. And it's just like, what? what? Like, God, where? He's there. He's doing a new thing. We're all trying to get on board. We're not going to quit. We're not going to... I am not gonna, if you don't know me at all, I am, there is no quit in me. I will die. I, I will die before I quit. And so the deal is, but it's just one of those deals. Why? Because again, the dream isn't always easy. Doing what God's called you to do is not always easy. It's not always sunrises and sunsets and sunflowers and, oh, isn't it wonderful? All you snowflakes, don't melt, you'll be okay. Right? As my dad used to say, my dad would always say two things to me when it gets hard in the ministry. Number one, he'd say, son, they're not going to kill you and they won't eat you. So you're going to live to die another day. And if it ever gets too hard in that church business that you're in, that pastoring business, you just come, they're always hiring at the factory. That's what he'd say. Thanks, dad. I appreciate that. I got to go to work. I got to do a real job is what he would say. Yeah, I know. It hurts. My point is simply this. None of us are above this. So you engage and you lean in and you don't quit because God's put it in your heart. God, whatever it is, God's put that in your heart. Don't let that go. Don't let anybody take that from you. I'm way over time. I'm gonna pray for you. And then we're gonna come and sing a song and, and the campus pastor is gonna come dismiss us. Father, I just thank you today. Thank you for your word. God, this has been a timely word for me this week. And I just pray, Lord, you'd help us. You would help us to renew our strength in you. Lord, if there's anybody in this room today, they're struggling. Anybody watching online today, they're struggling. Anybody at any campus today, they're struggling. But trying to pursue, trying to do the right thing, trying to do what you've called them to do, I just pray that you'd put wind in their sail this morning. I pray, Jesus, you would walk on water in the midst of the storm to them. I pray, God, you would speak peace, be still. And even if they need to ride this storm out a little longer, even if I need to ride this storm out a little longer, Lord, I just pray that you would just be in the boat with us, that your manifest presence would just be with us, that we would know that we're not alone. And when we know we're not alone, we know we're okay. 
So Lord, I just pray let your presence be so real. I just pray there would be a confirmation today or this week that, would, hey, you're in, the right, you're in the right direction. You're doing the right thing. I just pray for the wisdom of God that passes understanding. Proverbs 1 says, if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of you, Lord, who gives liberally. I pray, Lord, liberally give us wisdom and how to lead our lives and how to direct our affairs and how to navigate. I just pray that you would help us not to fold like a cheap suit. God, you'd help us not to quit. God, you'd help us not to become a victim. You'd help us make sure there's no bitterness. Lord, let our hearts be like Teflon. Let there be a no stick surface there. Let nothing stick to our hearts except for your presence, Lord. Oh God, except for your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I just pray, fill us with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with power, fill us with faith that comes from hearing. Lord, we've read your word today. God, we've, we, 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 we've, we've covered about a 10 chapter span. I just pray, Lord, your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray let faith arise by the word that we have spoken today and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.